Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a new kind of podcast where we have real deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are all ahead of their time and worthy of yours. In life, it all comes down to building powerful and long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. We all see the highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, so I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it out, how they broke through the barriers and found their passion. So I'm Beth, a speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life and your business forward. So now I want to learn more about successful entrepreneurs, what makes them tick, and what it took for them to get to today. My guests are well on their way to becoming the best in their industry. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible. We'll be bringing you personal revealing conversations on Behind the Spotlight. Today's guest is my friend Crosby. She is the founder of PR Couture, the industry-leading career platform and source book for lifestyle communication. Her vision, expertise, and her accessibility have allowed her to connect with, educate, mentor, and support professionals and brands internationally for more than a decade. Learn more about Crosby and her mom's famous themed sleepovers. Yes, themed sleepovers. I wish I was a friend of Crosby's growing up. It also allowed Crosby to become the creative genius she is today. It's much better here where it's quiet. Where are you? Um, my co-working space is open. Okay. And I think I'm the only person that is still using it. <laughs> <laughs> but I am very happy to be here and to oh. use it. It's only like a mile from my house and that's so nice. an easy little sneak away <laughs> and where are you san diego it's so pretty there my sister lives in uh, irvine mm-hmm. so usually there every summer not this summer obviously yeah but it's okay okay it's weird to be in san diego and not really be able to do any of the san diego things that one normally does in the summer that are so nice I'm just going to stay inside forever. I mean, it's a good time to be an introvert, right? Like, it's a good time to just... Well, are you an introvert? I am, yeah. You know, I find that most entrepreneurs are actually introverts. Yes. Do you find that? Yeah. Most, I would say, most PR people tend to be extroverted. And yet, that would make a lot of sense because the ones that I typically work with, I don't know if this is just like attracting like, but the ones that I typically work with end up being a little bit more on the introversion scale and are often you know trying to build something unique and separate from whatever it was that they endured on the more traditional climb up the ladder option of work and life and you did that for a while too right the working part oh the corporate the the non-entrepreneurial working part yes yes i did yeah the consistent salary part (laughs) yes (laughs) remember that that was nice stable, consistent (laughs) income. I was listening to my partner works at Costco and he was, you know, he's telling me all of like the work drama and all I can think of is, yeah, but you have a warehouse full of people. Like it is not just you. Like it is not, (laughs) yes, it is nonsense, but also there is more than just you solving this big, huge problem. There are heaps of other people who are, at varying levels of competency that you can rely on <laughs> to help you with whatever has happened. Yeah, I, I'm looking 
forward to rebuilding a team. Was there something in particular that happened that you to leave corporate? The agency that I had been working at, we lost our biggest client. Mm. And so there was some agency reshuffling. And what they were offering me was work that I really didn't want to be doing. You know, they were like, well... Can you write some SEO copy? Could you do Ugh. some paid Google ads? And at the time I had just jumped up and down because I wanted to move into the creative department and kind of start working on a content marketing arm for the agency, much like I had done for social. And so it was, it was a slow growth period and they just didn't have the ability to sort of float this new department while we figured out how to pitch it and sell it. And I, at that point I'd written my book. I was doing some consulting career coaching work and I it just was one of those moments when I was like I I have a second business that is running and I think this is really the time to just go all in on that so they were I mean they were wonderful it was like the best parting possible and I've worked with them in various forms you know over the years since I left but yeah that was really the moment of of realizing that like this, this was the time to kind of leave. I mean, I've been thinking about it and, you know, kind of waiting for the clouds to part and the magic, you know, <laughs> voice to say oh, never what happened. you should do next. Right. Wouldn't it be nice if we had that voice? If yeah. somebody was like, this, this is your path, go this way. This'll work. Please, please turn right. Yes. The right. most money and most ease and most joy is this way. Just follow the little light up road and there you'll be. I know. I feel like that's what we try to do for our clients a lot because we're guiding them and coaching them yep. through what they're doing. And they look to us to have that answer. And you're like, well, this has worked. So, you know, especially in publicity, it's like, go try this and yep. we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah. You can definitely be of huge value to someone by only, you know, having three to four steps ahead. Right. And yet there are so many other circumstances and things going on that one particular framework, like there's no one size fits all mm -mm. approach. No, I so irritate as irritating as that is. Well, <laughs> you know, you mentioned your book. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So this was back in ooh, 2012, I believe. So I wrote a book called ready to launch the PR couture guide to breaking into fashion PR. Uh, it's a bit of a, career guide. It was sort of cobbling together all of the answers that I was giving on various pick your brain coffee chats. And then increasingly through uh, low ticket, but still, you know, still getting paid for that work was, was so amazing to me. <laughs> um, so it was really that and, and relying on friends and contacts that I had built in the industry to be able to provide, you know, a lot of stories of how people broke in, what their first jobs were like, and then also really talking to agency owners and getting a real clear picture around what they wanted from entry-level candidates. So it's, wow. it was, I mean, it was a wonderful experience. It was, it was, um, it was after a breakup, which I think is the best time ever to just write a book. Yeah. I was like, good. well, that's done. I'm just gonna <laughs> dive right in over here. And I had just, I had, well, so, I, so the first time that I did it, I launched it, self-published it. At that point, I had a job. So that was something that I was doing 
kind of on the side. And then after the, I think it was after the breakup, then I decided to release a second edition. So one of the great things about self-publishing is, you know, you find an heir or you want to edit yourself for the 7 millionth time. And so you can just open that document up and release the second edition. So that was really the time in which I did it uh, a little bit more intentionally uh, and re-released a second version, maybe a year after the first maybe even less than a year. But I, yeah, I remember I would get up every morning. I had recently left my job. So there was such just spaciousness and creativity to my days. And I would get up. It was bizarre. You know, you have those moments where it's hard to get to work by nine. And I was always, you know, kind of the, the 915 yeah. girl. Don't ask too many questions. I'll uh-huh. be there. I'll do a great job. But um So, you know, I was waking up at six in the morning, which is boundless energy, couldn't wait to sit down. I would like, I had this little table in my kitchen and I would, I remember like, I'd make the coffee on my French press and I would sit down on my laptop and I would just play in, you know, words and structure and editing and over editing and re-editing myself and, you know, uh, the the never ending quick storm of oh, yeah. <laughs> that was one thing about being published it was nice that I didn't have to edit anything because I, I am not a good editor so yeah I love editing so much that oh, I could yeah. just <laughs> edit myself perpetually into right. oblivion yeah too much um, so yeah so I did that I released the second copy and yeah I mean a huge part of of why I was able to leave that agency was because I basically saved everything that came in and I just socked it away in my business checking. I didn't touch it. And, um, you know, at the end of that first year, the book, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a best sell, you know, but like it sold, you know, several hundred, maybe close to like a thousand copies that first year. And that enabled me to feel pretty confident that, I had a little, you know, I had a couple of months to sort of figure things out. And it was also, you know, it was the early days of, of social media. It was really the first time that I felt like I had a job in an industry that was growing where there was a need for what I knew how to do. And so I made a commitment to myself. I said, I'll give, you know, I'll give you one year, mm-hmm. other me. Right. Uh, and if we're back to, you know, popcorn for dinner and and bad wine and, boxes or you know whatever happened after college like if that if you know if it's not working out then um then I'll go get a job and that was really the first time that I'd ever felt like oh I could just get a job before that getting hired find you know it had always really been a struggle and so um both of those things together just the the book from how it what it kind of allowed me to do from a visibility reputation standpoint then saving all of that money and then also being in a kind of growth field mm-hmm. all kind of coalesced and that's when I made the jump that was about I think it was seven years ago February it's been PR Couture ever since <laughs> and PR Couture is an amazing <laughs> platform no I, I I resonate with so much what you're saying you sound a lot more organized than I am you know my writing was waking up setting the kids off to school and then drinking for three hours taking a nap and hoping I wake up before they get home <laughs> Because I was making cocktails and I had to test them out. Oh. Yeah, I think that process for that process for me was really informed by by blogging so consistently. I really approached writing that book from 
that same mindset. And so I sort of wrote down, you know, I thought about it in terms of blog posts, like what are all the blog posts that I want to write about this? And then I would sit down and I would, you know, pick a headline that felt like something that was fun or easier to write on that particular day. I would write it out and then went back in and kind of patchworked it together and was like, okay, well, this is a section or I need a quote here or I need somebody who knows more about this to weigh in in this particular section. And it was a really effective way of, of putting a book like that together. I have no idea what my process would be like for, you know, for fiction or something that was less <laughs> specific to what I was doing day in and day out. Um, although hopefully at some point I will find some room and time and space. Cause I would, I would definitely like to write another book. I just haven't gotten the, the idea has not yet hit me on the head, but I loved that process. I, you know, I would, there's some really beautiful mythology in my brain about, you know, sort of living at the coastal cabin and just writing alone for hours, <laughs> you know, with, with the cat and the tea and the, you know, and all of that. I love that. I think that's really, I think it's that all of the, even the vision's really interesting. You know, I think there might be a third version in you somewhere. I can, I hear it a little bit. Um, but having that sort of mythology was, is that part of, you know, we don't know each other that well yet, but is that part of your personality? Like, I'm always curious where that comes from. I was in TV production. I was a PA for a long time. Um, you know, I was like carrying lights for a long time. So I never learned like that corporate piece of it, but I wonder if how much you glean from that to really be able to structure your book and also PR for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I am not a naturally organized person. I definitely have, you know, on my strengths finder, like I've got the strategic ideation bit down. Um, I have the capacity to execute, to implement, to commit and see things through. But a lot of that is learned. A lot of that was learned. <laughs> like right. my, my instinct is much more, you know, I wanted to be, a dancer when I was young. I love photography and poetry and was, you know, writing stories and was the editor-in-chief of my middle school magazine. And, you know, there was always kind of a, a leadership. Like I was always kind of in charge or I was spearheading, you know, little, I don't know, themed sleepovers and whatnot. And, okay. you know, there was, there was always, you know, kind of that piece, but I also very much wanted to live and enjoyed living in kind of a, a magical realism driven uh, sort of story land <laughs> much more like, you know, I, like, I, there were no aspirations. I was talking to somebody yesterday who said that, you know, her, her mom was, you know, sort of this, this corporate go get him had the fancy, you know, car phone and everything. And that's what she aspired to be. I had no, real ambition or clarity of, you know, kind of wanting to be this quintessential businesswoman. I, you know, I wanted to write stories and be around beautiful clothes and dance and write. And, you know, it's much more about art for me. Even the interest in fashion has very little to do with, you know, what's going down the runway and everything to do with how we choose to present ourselves and, and clothing as sort of a a way in which we tell the story of who we are and who we are not. So I came at it from, you know, from that perspective, as opposed to, you know, it being more commerce focused or capitalism focused or, you know, about what was at the mall. 
right, an organized <laughs> focus. So yeah. I am very intrigued about theme sleepovers. So yes. I would love to hear a story about a, what that like what that looked like because I'm I'm big into entertaining and entertaining in a way that makes you feel special and makes you feel like how did Beth why did Beth take the time to do this? Yes. Well, a lot of it is owed to my mom, who is an artist, uh, you know, Spanish teacher by day, artist in all of the other moments, uh, and figured out a way to be an artist, even in her, in her classroom in really fantastic ways. So she, you know, we used to go, we lived for a while. It was just the two of us. We lived in, uh, in Beverly Hills in this little apartment with, you know, like the green gross carpet and whatnot. We used to go to thrift stores and we would go to like the Hollywood Bowl, uh, what are those things called? Flea markets. And, you know, we were kind of always sort of treasure hunting. And so my house was the one that was full of art supplies where I had a dress up box, you know, from the time I was a very small toddler. (laughs) Um, there are, my grandmother did estate sales, so there was a lot of, you know, bizarre vintage hats and wigs and scarves and things coming from her. So a lot of my, a sleepover needed to have a theme or a purpose or a subject. And so a lot of times that was sort of like makeovers and getting dressed up and then learning oh. a dance. And <laughs> amazing. Wait a That's I, amazing. I wish I had you in my life when I was in eighth grade. I would love. I mean, I would have choreographed anything that you needed, and we would have found matching outfits. And I would have been totally in. I was an actress at that time. I went to like acting camp and the whole thing. Yeah, I also. Yeah, I used to go to a music and drama camp. Mm -hmm. I was in, you know, drama up until it was overtly not cool to continue to be in (laughs) drama. Yeah, so that was, you know, it was that. And then, yeah, birthday parties were always, there were always themes, you know, down to every last detail. I'm actually planning um, my son turns four on Monday. Aww. And so it's it's interesting, especially in this time, you know, we did a pretty big, uh, a pretty big to-do for his third, his third birthday, which was Spider-Man themed. Um, this year is Sonic the Hedgehog themed. And so I'm really <laughs> wrestling with, you know, the part of me that wants to go all out and, you know, have kind of branded everything. Uh, <laughs> and, I imagine, you know, and the part of me that wants to be the DIY mom who like creates the costume from scratch, which is just never going to happen. Um, and, but yeah, there's, there's a, there was always a sort of a, perf- a performativity, I guess, or a, a thematic thread that was connecting everything together. And that definitely, you know, I can see, how those threads are now ones that I pull on every day, building my personal brand, building Pierre Couture, working with, uh, you know, communication consultants and other lifestyle brand owners on, you know, kind of packaging and putting together whatever the vision is into, you know, words and visuals and all of that. I would have totally been one of those girls like, can I come to your next party? Because I'm so into that. Mine was very aesthetic driven, much less food and, you know, food and beverage driven, but but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, there's always been, you know, kind of a, a way of, of looking at things through the lens of creativity and, and color and theme and, and expression to self-expression. A lot of my, you know, a lot of my themed parties were, had kind of like a Midsummer Night's Dream-ish oh. party at once that included a, a 
scavenger hunt that my mom put together in like our neighborhood. We were wearing these flower crowns. This was like, you know, pre-Coachella. This was like fifth grade. Love it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's, I mean, you know, in terms of who I was as a kid and, you know, who I, who I still am in the, in the tiny private moments where I'm, you know, not mom and not boss of all of the things, (laughs) you know, my, my defaults, my defaults are still, uh, you know, writing, reading, language, words, you know, music, and increasingly, I mean, during this, uh, one of the greatest parts, uh, you know, kind of silver lining wise of this, uh, this pandemic time, these, these, these uncertain times uh, has been really reconnecting to, uh, to the dance and finding some, you know, communities of people online who come together and dance and just really kind of reconnecting in that way, which has been, um, like beyond you know people ask like what are the things that you used to do as a kid (laughs) I'm like oh right there was this whole dancing part that was really the the beginnings of it were like writing stories and dancing and so um it's been really great to sort of recenter that as part of what I do and what I do in ways that are not for anyone else like it's not for Instagram it's not a revenue generating activity, you know, we can just get into this mindset. And I think we're in this time right now where it's like, there's so much opportunity that it's hard to think, at least in the, in my, you know, opportunistic business brain to sort of go, oh, like, well, is that an Etsy store? Or is that a new business? Or like, what would I, what would I call it? And how would I brand it? And what's the name of this thing? And so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to do things in, to do things that don't, have a door open for anyone else to see that are just for you. Um, and, totally. and dance, you know, dancing and writing are, are two places I where, love that, that. where that lives for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love how you can connect the dots to what you're doing um, and how you're doing it. I totally feel the same way. It's so funny. We come, we come to the same thing, but mine is definitely from performing. You know, I used to write scripts mm-hmm. and like hire my friends to do the choreography and hire my friends to do the, um, costuming and all that stuff. Like yeah. I like to be in charge. I was yeah. always the director. <laughs> that yeah. was my job. It would yeah, we used to do this. You know, I I often think that it's a great thing that I did not have YouTube in you oh, know kind of fifth to eighth grade <laughs> because we were constantly with that VHS super heavy recorder. You know, doing okay. these like talk shows, interviewing each other, putting on silly accents. Mm-hmm. I remember you know organizing my caboodle and pretending like I was on television. You know, I still do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're like, sometimes I do find that, do you ever find like if you have to clean something, like imagining that you're doing it, you're either forced to do it because you're in some sort of Cinderella situation or, um, you know, you're teaching people how to do it. Like sometimes that sort of still in my head is like a fun little game to get me to, I don't know, reorganize the Tupperware or whatever <laughs> nonsense needs to happen yeah. <laughs> in the, in the yeah. mundane aspects of you know, just being a human. Yeah, I always feel like someone's watching me, like I'm on stage or I'm on camera, I'm on, you know, something, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I don't, I'm not a YouTuber, I don't put anything out on YouTube, I don't do TikTok, like that's not my, I, and, you know, this conversation's maybe inspiring me a little bit to like maybe go back to those things that I used to do and sharing them because they were fun, but I definitely got pushback when I was that age, you know, middle school to high school on being so creative and wanting to be out there and wanting to be different. Did you feel that too? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's that consistent tension, right? Because on the one hand, everybody is 
idolizing, you know, models and actresses, et cetera, who have, you know, made it and are famous. And we're looking to them to inform our fashion choices. And, you know, it's part of the pop culture piece and it's an area of, of, you know, kind of connection. And then the actual path to doing that, like all of the people who are in drama are, are sort of ostracized within the container of high school in a lot of ways and are not looked up to. And I think for me, you know, fashion became, you know, I was a smart kid. I was in, you know, mostly AP everything, not so much on the math and science side, but certainly on the language side. So, you know, I'm in all these, yeah, I'm in all these AP classes. I love learning, you know, all of that. Um, And I had a pretty strict mom, so I wasn't, you know, able to go to parties. Like, so the way in which I sort of created a little bit of an opening with others was really through dress and through the way that I, um, yeah, like the clothes that I chose to wear and the ways that I could sort of acknowledge certain, you know, certain music or, you know, whatever it was through dress, even if I wasn't able to do it through other, you know, areas of connection. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's what I loved so much and, you know, about and kind of how, you know, my, my career was sort of like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know I want to work in fashion, but I also know that I am not I don't have nearly like the skill or patience for sewing. It wasn't about creating the, it wasn't about like making the clothes as, as much as it was, um, you know, wearing them and then capturing them in some way, whether through, you know, photography or writing about them or something like that. So I, you know, I felt, I definitely felt that, that tension of, and even, even, you know, even in ways it still exists a little bit in terms of, of Pierre Couture and even in, you know, public relations, like, I am a much deeper thinker and um, creative soul than than often gets to be fully expressed or is the expectation when somebody meets me and they and they think about the term you know PR girl or publicist or whatever. Um, so it's a you know it's a constant sort of learning unlearning you know just figuring out where you yourself fit in in the business that you have built or in the presentation that you have you know the brand you've created um and I think you know the the best the best validation that I get now is when I have you know I'm on a coaching call or something and I the feedback that I get back is not so much about you know, the specificity of the tactics or whatever I shared, but it's about the way in which I showed up and how my clients see myself reflected in them and are coming to me to work on their businesses just because it's me. And that's what's ultimately creating a lot of shifts for them. Not so much, you know, because I told them like, you know, do this and then do that. And then, you know, we're going to have to have, you know, this welcome sequence and you should segment your audience like this. And like, here's a, here's a way that you could execute that idea. You know, we can do all of that. Um, but it's so wonderful when I get something back that's just like, you know, she's sarcastic and witty and smart and, you know, has, has an ability to really like, I enjoy myself when I'm, when I'm around her and I'm like, that's, that's great. That just shows that we work with people that we, we like, and we work with people and what we need from people is not always what we think that we need. And it's so wonderful as an entrepreneur, just to be able to like, to have it be confirmed that you can just show up and be wholly yourself and people will say yes to that. And they will give you 
money for that. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a remarkable, wonderful thing that I'm still learning how to do even, you know, even more, you know, authentically, like such a gross buzz word. Um, you know, but for me, it's, it's really about like how recently, how much more can I lean into who I really am and the me that shows up on the couch with my best friend, like how much am I being her in my business? Um, because it seems to work really well. That seems to be ultimately what people want yes. far more than, you know, the six secrets to six figure, blah, 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 or whatever. <laughs> Right. And some people want that and that's fine. It's just, you know, I, and that's one of the reasons I I adore you is because I work the same way. Like if you don't like me, then you're not my people and you're not going to be successful working with me. You want the honest truth in in my way of delivering it. Then you're going to be successful when you work with me because I've had both. And it's so, and it's so tough, right? To get to the place where you're willing to stand in that and to not make it mean that you are not right or like enough or like don't have the knowledge or don't have the whatever it is that it is simply that certain people are not going to be right and they might not be right at that moment and that has very little to do with the transformation you're able to facilitate the value that you bring the like any of it has very little to do with with who you know who you are in terms of you know technical skill set or whatever and everything to do with that um you know, that kind of, you know, we talk about it as like cultural fit in, um, yeah, that connection in like agency in agency life, right? Like you want to find somebody who's a fit within, you know, the, the ecosystem of the agency. Um, and it's the same, it's the same thing, uh, working with clients on more of that one-on-one side, but so tough. I mean, it's, I don't know if you found this, but I, it's been a tough road to stand in that and say, like, you can say no to me and not want to hire me. And I, can allow that to mean very like absolutely nothing about my like value or my ability to contribute positively. <laughs> like oh, those yeah, are no. not, that's not the, that's not like, that's not the, the causation statement. My brain wants to make that true, but that's not actually true. Nothing. I always say nothing you do is about me. It's always yeah. about you. You know, I, a long time ago I, I was taught this, I guess this way of thinking. And one of it is that, Nothing means anything until you give it meaning. So you don't want to work with me could mean all those horrible things, or it just means you don't want to work with me. That's it. You know, yeah. I'm taking that judgment out of that. But I think the training that you and I, it sounds like you and I got being in middle school or even high school and just being a little bit different and beating to our own drum, give us the scope and the, maybe the confidence to continue to just be ourselves because that's what we were always just trying to do. Yeah, I often think, you know, we also, you know, we moved a lot growing up. And I think having to sort of be the new girl in lots of different schools, you know, conversely, when my mom had um, my sister and brother, like they ended up living in the same town their entire life. They went to the same, you know, they were with the same kids. Um, and, And absolutely, I think that my willingness to sort of take risks and to be really independent and to expect that it is my responsibility and my job to figure out you know, how to take care of myself and how to be mostly joyful and how to, you know, build a life that's on my terms and that works for me comes from very much that feeling of not, you know, where, where status quo did not fit right. Like that was an itchy sweater. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. And I, I think I, I was 
I was lucky to be, you know, to be raised by a mom who was, who very much had the sort of, you know, similarly, we can't help what happens to us. All we can, all, all we're in charge of is how we choose to react to it. Um, And a lot of just really putting the onus on me to choose what I was going to make things mean. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get that. My mom was more of the, don't worry until it happens. Yeah. There's no sense taking your time and your energy to worry about something. But like I used to wear, my mom would call my outfits in high school costumes. And like while you were talking, I feel like you had the same thing. I remember I had this, it was a a denim mini skirt and matching jacket that had had like a yellow base to it and had purple and violet um, rockets on it. Uh Uh-huh. I thought it was the coolest outfit ever. Yeah. I remember coming downstairs, my mom going, you sure you want to wear that? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, of course I want to wear that. I have a presentation today. And I feel yeah. like by the time I was in high school, my friends and my community was like, she just wears this. Like, that's just her thing. Yeah. I was left alone a lot. Um, and I think because of the confidence I had from acting classes and, um, and being in shows when I was growing up and being a dancer, I did baton growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the confidence that we probably both got from that allowed us to be like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to wear my crown around town and, and do whatever I want. And now as a business owner, it's kind of the same thing. Like this is, this is my stage and this is my story and this is my script, you know, my yeah, play. So you yeah. can either buy a ticket or not. Yeah. 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 It's a great, a great way of kind of framing that. Um, coming to my talk show. Yes. <laughs> Whatever it is that you want to have. But it's definitely, oh but I, I mean, yeah, I used to, I used to write down my outfits every day. Um, I had like a little notebook mm-hmm. and I would write down what I wore every day. My like happiest moments were like preparing for camp and figuring out what I was going to pack. I mean, there was just, there was something really special and specific about the act of getting dressed and of figuring out exactly that, like who I wanted to, who, what, who I was playing on any given day in a particular circumstance and just how much freedom and creativity I felt and how fun it was to sort of not like, I guess kind of like mess with people's expectations Mm -hmm. based on presenting myself in in a particular way, you know, whether that was kind of preppy or more corporate or, you know, I went through a period of having hair of many colors and, um, you know, taking a lot of cues from, uh, Courtney Love and doing a lot of like writ dye of vintage slips and wearing them over bell bottoms, you know, just, um, and then I think kind of later that kind of got toned down because I was, you know, showing up and showing and being myself in different ways. But for, for that pocket of time, you know, as like a, as a teen girl, like that was really, that was how I was both separating and sort of asking to be seen. Wow. That's really amazing to be able to look back and really reflect on it that way. I, I definitely went the preppy way. In, as an adult, I've had colors of different, hair of different colors. So I, I guess I got to it a little bit late. <laughs> but, yeah, I often think like, man, I dressed so cool back then. Like, I wish I had held on to more of that. More of that. There are a couple of pieces that, you know, I think about longingly uh, yep. and just wish that I had never gotten rid of. And, um, you know, now now look back and go, man, like, that was such a fun time to just go to a thrift store and, you know, find some weird seventies palazzo something and to be able to fit into it, you know, with my my 15 year old body, you know, like, yeah, that was Yeah. Well, I, I'm a big fan of Buffalo exchange. So they, I know they have them in LA. 
Yeah, I worked there after college. That was oh, my okay. that was my big congratulations on graduating with your you know your double major and your honors and whatever. Like there are no jobs. Right. So I went and worked. At, <laughs> I graduated it right after September. Right before September 11th, it was oh, just not a great yeah. time to be trying to um, work in entertainment uh, for sure. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, so I worked. I worked at the uh, the Buffalo Exchange uh, in Hollywood for uh, my first year out of school. And yeah, I loved it. I mean, I still take stuff to Buffalo Exchange. Like it's still part of my, yep, me my, too. Pur- my purge and purchase. My um, kids love Buffalo Exchange. They can yeah. always find something. And I always find something a little bit off, or, you know, to wear yeah. when I'm presenting. Like when I, and I, don't, I, I think that you might feel the same way. Like when I'm on stages, hopefully we'll get back there next year. We're doing panels. Like everyone around me is wearing black pants and a blouse. Yeah. And I'm wearing, you know, fuchsia and pink and green. Yeah. You know free people dress or from, you know, something in that realm just to stand up. Yeah. If you're going to be up there, man. Yeah. I'm thinking the last thing I, oh, I, last thing I bought was from anthropology and it, it's a fuzzy skirt, skirt, like long to the ground, almost like a, like a shag rug, but it's a skirt. Yeah. And my friend was like, what are you buying? I'm like, just you wait, wait till you see me wearing it on a panel. Yeah. This I, know wear this. I know what yeah. I'm doing. I know what I'm doing with this. Yeah. Your head. But I really love the fact that you've taken a passion you've had since you were 10 and made it your business, you know, really made it connecting with your clients that are also interested in fashion and also interested in, in the way that you are um, and made a successful business. Was that on purpose or was that just kind of something that it grew from who you are? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I graduated again, like May 2001 college, like ready to, I wanted to do wardrobe for film. I, I majored in film and um, gender feminist studies and I wanted to do wardrobe styling. And, you know, so I decided to stay in LA and try to figure that out. And that was just like, oh, it's just such a mess. Yeah, well, yeah. So I ended up, LA, you know, yeah, like it, I realized I didn't want to bad. I didn't want it bad enough to do what was required. Right. Um, so I ended up, I moved to uh, Barcelona for a bit, kind of ran out of money, shopped a little too much, <laughs> um, got my, you know, TEFL, just kind of floundering around after college, trying to like, you know, get a job and ended up going back to grad school for communication, discovered public relations and really enjoyed how those classes were the most creative of the very like theory heavy program that I had signed myself up for. Um, at that time, you know, my, my biggest goal was I wanted to be an art director for, you know, an, an advertising agency or marketing or something. Discovered public relations. There was a lot about it that was really interesting to me. And so I had pretty consistently put the, put the sort of draping of fashion atop whatever I was studying. And so I just kind of naturally got curious. I was like, okay, like PR feels like a really good mix for, you know, it's really, it's, um, it's problem solving, it's, it's businessy, it's strategic, it's, um, it requires a lot of, you know, critical thinking and understanding how humans work. And it's also really visual and um, it's about messaging and word and language and connection and story and all of that is great. And so I wonder what that looks like in the fashion industry. Like maybe, maybe this could be the job, right? Maybe this is the career direction. And at the time, fashion blogs were just starting up and really kind of organically like pinged me on the head one weekend and was like, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with all of these women across the country, finally feeling connected to, you know, other, 
other weirdo fashion clothes horse <laughs> ladies, right. you know, whether they're in Kansas or San Francisco or Toronto or, you know, wherever I'm going to, I'm going to take a different spin on it and look at the people behind, you know, the marketing and the messaging that make somebody want to align themselves with, you know, brand A versus brand B. And I thought that with my, with my background and, and, you know, my, my master's thesis and all of that in hand, that that would be a really interesting uh, perspective, you know, yeah, and of course, fashion blogging and influencer, you know, all of that has exploded so much. And I sometimes shake my head and think maybe I should have just taken pictures of my outfits instead of, you know, aspiring for this, from this different, um, this different approach. But, you know, I started by trying to find fashion publicists that were out there asking them what they did. I was doing some jewelry PR here in San Diego, uh, was in my grad program, was, you know, kind of learning it on the ground, but there really, I mean, there was nothing of it. There were no websites about it. There was fashionpr.com agencies at that time, like maybe had a splash page, if anything, there was free Facebook, like, you know, you know, at this point, like, this is like really, really the beginnings of, of all of it. And so Pierre Couture was really in the beginning, like a way of um, mixing together those interests of public relations and fashion. And then that became kind of the focus and we, you know, really niched in on fashion PR and then broadened out a little bit to lifestyle PR. And, you know, now the work that I'm doing is very, I, you know, it's still because that's, that's kind of the foundation of what we've done. We still attract and I often work with women who work in kind of the lifestyle space. So, you know, fashion, fitness, food, um, beauty, all of that. But, you know, at this, at this point, a lot of what I have learned to do and the work of actually running your own thing and showing up for it and being committed to it and experimenting and, and failing and, and winning and, you know, all of that has very little to, you know, I feel like I could probably take a lot of what I have learned about business in the last, you know, decade and apply it to all sorts of different situations. Oh yeah, it totally. It happens to be that the situation that I have sort of hung my hat on is public relations and then within that kind of a focus on, on lifestyle. But I think, you know, the women, we, we come to want to work in those verticals for a lot of reasons. Some, uh, you know, that are very much grounded in the ways in which women are sort of the women, the way in which the world sort of checks off the box for, for women, you know, some of it is very appearance driven. It's very much about, yeah, how we, how we evaluate what makes, you know, kind of a a successful woman. And then there's also this piece, which, you know, requires years of untangling. Um, But then there's also this piece of of self-expression. And I think that, um, for a lot of the women that I work with, they start wanting to work in fashion and beauty because those are the brands and the moments and the experiences that really meant so much to them when they were growing up. And they want to be close to the decision-making and they want to be close to the creative process of what it takes to, you know, take an idea and get it on the shelves in Sephora or to, um, you know, take a craft uh, or an artistry or, you know, whether it's embroidery or um, seamstress 
seamstressing, is that a word, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but so much of that is because, because yeah, because, because dress and appearance and makeup and all of that was like such a part of how we figured out how we wanted to show up in the world. And so I think that's kind of where it starts from. And then now the work, you know, the work is really about what kind of a business do you want to run and who do you want to work with and how much do you want to align yourself with how things have already have always been done and how much do you want to disrupt that? I tend to attract women with a little bit of a, of a disruptor streak, whether they are, which is great, whether they are working in PR or, or not, there's, they have an ability to see something that is broken and not working and they, they want to fix it. They want to create an alternative. They want to, they want to solve that problem. Uh, and that's really fun. Solving problems is, is the best. You know, I totally agree with you. And that's where my book, my cocktail book came out of. It was definitely being disruptor. I didn't see what I wanted out there. So I created it myself. But I, um, you know, I think that you're right. I think we're all looking for something that we can make a dent into, or we can make, you know, fulfill some need that we had. I definitely, I went into TV because I wanted to hang out with celebrities and I wanted to be in that that fast track. Um, Little did I know that children stop most of that. (laughs) And then your priorities change a little bit and I'm doing it a little differently this way. Um, yeah. in front of the camera, but definitely, you know, and I'm seeing how my kids are in this time where, you know, I think, I think about that a lot, you know, growing up, the options were, you know, get cast on NO210 or like get cast on real world or, you know, like dance in a music video or like, they're just, they're this, this sort of self-publishing, you know, revolution and this sort of like, everybody has a voice, everyone is influencer. Um, you know, it's interesting because when I, when I do career coaching with young women, I'm like the, the work that I'm doing now, like didn't even exist. Like I I couldn't have even foreseen that social media, like that I would have a job in something called social media that then that would turn into something else entirely. Like there is, you know, as, as technology becomes, increasingly less expensive and designed specifically for, you know, human connection and story and all of that. Um, It's really remarkable just how many different ways there are to get that need met, you know, like that there it's there, there are multiple sort of ways to get in there. It doesn't always just look like, you know, television or production or, um, or being a magazine editor, or, you know, there's just, there's so many different ways. And we have so much more insight into what those are, because people are documenting what oh, that looks yeah. like. I remember just being like, I don't even know what that job is. Like, that was, you know, how, what does that actually mean to like work in XYZ? My parents were teachers, like right. middle school, school and elementary school teachers for the most part. Like, that was not a world that I had any real knowledge of like living in you know southern and then northern california like no no not at all so there was so little understanding of what it even looked like to work in in these different spaces so no i find that all the time my parents my parents um are entrepreneurs they own car washes and real estate and that kind of stuff um and when i tell them what i do they're like that's a job that's what like i'm like yes that's a job that's yeah that's what i do I wanted to be a food stylist when I graduated school. I have mm-hmm. a, a communications degree, but this was in 95 and there really wasn't social, there wasn't internet, there wasn't social media. You know, I didn't have a phone until 2000. Yeah, you have to go like the yellow pages and like try to find, yeah, exactly. you even find like a food styling I couldn't. company? Like, I couldn't. That's know. why I went to production instead because I couldn't find anybody 
And yeah. then going to food blogging, I was like, oh, I'm a food stylist. And my writing partner and I did all the, not all of them, but most of the photos for our book. And after I did it, the art director and the photographer were like, you're really good at this. I'm like, I should have done this. This is what yeah. I should have been doing for 20 years instead of what I'm doing. Not should have, could have been doing. Could have been um, doing. Yeah. I felt the same way about interior, about interior styling. Um, oh, yeah. Where that's, that's one of those things where I'm like, oh, like I am, I am rarely as happy as I am when I'm fiddling with a bookshelf. Like, I don't know what that is. You know, it's sort of, it's like a version of getting dressed. It's just like yeah. you're dressing, you're yeah. dressing a space. Um, and I love, you know, all of that, um, the art of, you know, even, even, you know, for film or, or TV or whatever, like, you know, I always notice all of the details, you know, in, in the kid's bedroom or the parent's bedroom, I'm like noticing, you know, the choice of, you know, why they, why they picked that kind of bedding, or I'm like, you know, the artfully way that like the pens are spilled over, like there's a part of my brain that, that is always noticing that. And it's been really gratifying. You know, it's like the things that like never really, really gratifying when somebody comes into my house and is like, this is beautiful. I love how you decorate it or whatever. It just gives me that like, because it's not my work work, but it's, it's a, it's a part of, of, yeah, of how I like to sort of like bring, bring beauty or like intention into spaces. So it makes me really happy when somebody gives me a compliment oh, <laughs> for that. Crosby, it was so nice to get to know you today. I love you even more. It's nice to know that we have a lot in common and we come from the same sort of space. So I am always out here supporting you no matter what you're doing. I really appreciate Thank you, you so coming much. on. Can you oh, tell us a story to talk about something other than PR and marketing occasionally. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate I am it. so happy you said that because honestly, that's one of the reasons that I want to do it this way because everyone was telling me to start a publicity podcast and I was like, yeah. that's not what I, I talk about it all day long. I want to talk about people and stuff and yeah. And theme all the other stuff. sleepovers. Like yeah. that, I'm still, I, I have the chill. I just said like theme sleepovers. I need to get my niece to start doing that. So at least I can like be involved because that just sounds I like the most involved in the planning or like the putting yeah. together a food board or something. Exactly. Yeah. I'm all in for it. So Crosby, if you could tell everybody where to find you and how to sign up for your program so they can also get your genius. Absolutely. So pretty much everything is over at PRCouture.com and all those social profiles are at PRCouture. Our membership and coaching program for communication consultants is called The Coterie. So you can access that at PRCouture.com uh, right there in the main menu. And then I have a personal site that is somewhat updated. It's at CrosbyNorix.com and at CrosbyNorix is my Instagram and all the rest of the social stuff. So everybody go find Crosby. If you're in the industry or not, she's got really great information out there. Um, plus she's always got a nice outfit on. So Crosby, thank you so much for coming and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Beth.